Well, praise the Lord. Hey, you got a real treat this morning. We have friends from Haiti, and I don't say this lightly. There's not, there's not very many people that I respect any more on the whole planet, whether I know them up close or know them from a distance, than Jalen the Threadgill and what they have done in giving their lives to the nation of Haiti. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to let him. I told him, Jay, I want you to take about 10 minutes, and I want you to just talk and show us about what's going on in this nation because here's something that I know. I feel like in America, I live in Candyland. And when I see someone around the world, you know, there's Christians in Egypt right now that are fearing for their lives as Muslims are riding in the streets. We've got it pretty good here. And uh, every once in a while, I need to have my world adjusted as an American Christian to see that the world is a little bigger than Texarkana, USA. How many know that? And get God's vision and be inspired by people that have, have faced some great tragedies but are making it strong to the end. I want you to give another big hand for our dear friends, Linda and Jay Threadgill. God bless you guys. Hey, if uh, he happens to go a little long, which he might, and you need to go, that's okay. But uh, we're just going to give him liberty and let him, let, him, let him speak to us. Let me mention one last thing. We are, for the last several years, have been uh, feeding kids in Haiti. And these little cans, uh, you can pick them up after service in the back in the lobby. Just put your change in it. Whenever it gets full, bring it by the church. And we bank it every couple months. Here's a check for $767 just to feed kids. So anyway, we love you guys. God bless you. We have a number of churches partnering with us in our feeding project. Um, we average of feeding about, in 14 different locations, 2,500 kids, more or less, and uh, five days a week. And uh, we're able to do that for about 30 cents a child. But when you do the math, and you can do that in your own time, it, it's, a, it's a faith walk. And so we just want to thank Church on the Rock, Texarkana, for all that you have done. And you're not only supporting feeding the children, but what you've done for us helping us through a most critical year as most of you remember a year ago this month uh, we endured a one of the greatest catastrophic events known to the history of man in, a, in an earthquake there 300,000 people died in a minute and 47 seconds and uh, it's pretty hard to wrap your mind around that trust me because about the only thing we have to compare it to is the Vietnam War that was 10 years and 56,000 people died 300,000 people died in a minute and 47 seconds. But it was because of pastors like yours and churches like yours that stood with us and held our arms up and, and helped finance the relief and the, and the survival and the relief efforts that we did. And we literally were able to feed thousands and thousands of meals and, and people food and clothe them and uh, medically treat them. And your pastor spent countless hours daily on the phone for weeks with uh, kind of formed a little committee here stateside that he was on helping us fundraise the necessary funds that we needed for the projects we lost our sanctuary it collapsed 31 of our people died in that collapse it was very heartbreaking very gut-wrenching but yet god was there god was there and he gave us the strength to not only persevere but to rise up and to proclaim his goodness, and we're back, and there's a move of God going on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, and before we get so much more into that, I'll let my wonderful, beautiful wife speak to you. Hello, everybody. All I have to say is I love you, and I appreciate you more than you will ever know. The standing, the loving, the prayers, all the things that you've been for us, the friends that you've been through the years. Uh, uh, this is one of the few churches we go to where we feel like we're going back home where we are really loved and you know people know us not just what we do but they know us as people 
we're just two people trying to do what God's called us to do. And no, no better than anyone else, just trying to do what God called us to do. And many people say, oh, you do this for God. I don't do nothing. You know what? If you, I tell people, if you're a housewife and that's what you are, be the best housewife you can be. Be a godly housewife. Be an example to other housewives how to be a housewife. Create the best house that your husband can come home to, and then you've done everything God's asked you to do. And so let's just put it on the level in which it is, which is just do what God's called you to do, but do it the best that you know how to do it, to where it shines. And so people can say, wow, they didn't have to do that. They chose to do that. And God loves those kind of things. And you are those kind of people, and we thank God for you. God bless you. Amen. Well, give it up. Go ahead. Come on. She almost got the preach on her. I was waiting to see if she was going to jump on her, and then I'd have just sat back down. Sometimes it does that, doesn't it? It's going in Haiti, and I just go walk away and let her have it. Praise God. She's Mrs. Linda in Haiti. Mrs. Linda, praise God. Madam Pastor. Yeah. We're having a little argument up here. While Hang on a second. Well, it's just a blessing to be here. And as we said, you know, you guys stood so strong with us. And I do have about a six-minute kind of a slide thing going on that it's a little bit dated now, and we're working on this on part two. Um, it shows a lot of the destruction of the earthquake. It shows a lot of the relief efforts. It shows a little bit of the rebuild. Um, and uh, it takes us to where we are now, worshiping in a tent. The tent was a great blessing because we were worshiping in a 100-degree sun. 100-degree sun every morning is not easy to worship in. 100-degree sun. And we would have, you'll see shots of this. You'll see shots of thousands of people coming to worship in a 100-degree sun. The tent was a blessing, but we found out the vulnerability of tents. There's hurricane season down there. And so now we're pressing towards the, the building of the sanctuary, and that's where a lot of these offerings are starting to go to, a building fund. And uh, so uh, you can be in prayer with us, and then I will start phase two of this video, but I want to show you this very quickly. Go ahead, sound technicians extraordinaire. So it gives you a little bit of uh, understanding of what went on and then what we did. And we were able to literally feed just, like I said, thousands of meals and people. Uh, Nike donated like 15,000 pairs of tennis shoes, and we distributed those. Um, just you saw one of the semis of food being unloaded. Those were Arabic people that found me because they were told they're American Arabic or whatever out of Pennsylvania. And the neighbor said, if you get to Haiti and need some help, find a guy named Jay Threadgill. They were in a city of three million, you know, and uh, they found me. They said, "Are you Jay Threadgill?" I guess with a little Arabic accent, you know. Are you Jay Threadgill? <laughs> I said, "Yes, I am." He says, "Can you distribute food for me?" I said, "Yes, unload it right over there. <laughs> we'll be happy to do that for you." And uh, we had the funny thing was when the Arabic people came with the food, and you know, you know, somebody said, "Well, you know, do you have a problem with that?" I said, "No." They had the food, and I asked him. I said, "Listen." How'd you guys, they got in before the United States government were in there. And I said, uh, how, did, how did you guys get in here? And, of course, they're being backed by the, by the Emirates, Dubai. They said, you got enough money, you can do anything. Yeah, and, hey, well, you know, well, to get that food, they had to buy, they bought up, they literally bought up all the wholesale food out of Santa Domingo and trucked it over. And uh, it was pretty intense. We became one of their main distribution points. We distributed tents, uh, hundreds and hundreds of tents and food and clothing and medicine. So we had five babies born in two weeks. And then 
all and uh, the first baby that was born was with a uh, EMT that never had birthed the baby before. And uh, that's who started the clinic, which now is a full-blown clinic. But he came in with a duffel bag of meds. And our first doctors, it was pretty funny. We had Arabic guys staying on the property doing their daily prayers. We're down in, on, the, on that field doing our prayers. And then our first set of doctors were Jewish doctors. And tell me that wasn't different. <laughs> and I looked at God and said, only you could do this. And, uh, you know, the Arabics are up there in the morning facing north going, here wherever they face east or whatever <laughs> we're down there in the morning praying and worshiping and then the jewish guys are complaining because i'm serving bacon <laughs> it's all good <laughs> just told him well if you was under grace like us you could <laughs> eat all the bacon they want i said i'm really not sad you're not eating the bacon i'm gonna eat your bacon praise god <laughs> i love bacon <laughs> me and bacon are one you know <laughs> So, but God was good, and He was there, and uh, like we are said now, the three phases were survival, relief, and now rebuild, and that's what we're in. We're doing relief houses for people that lost their homes, their little, small, little 600-square-foot homes that are seismic-tested and made out of foam panels that are stuccoed, and if they were to come down, which they're not supposed to come down, there's no block that hits you in the head, and so they're pretty cool, and then we're, we're pressing forward on building the fund to purchase the steel for our, it'll be a 5,000-seat auditorium. It'll be about 36,000 square feet, just auditorium, not even a bathroom inside. No offices, no classrooms. That's all set to the exterior. And, uh, of course, then we have a, uh, I think it's a 12,000 square foot uh, balcony that runs around the, the sanctuary. And we'll seat 5,000, and we'll start doing two services at that, praise God. And uh, so with those, some of those pictures you saw were closer to 15,000 people coming to worship with us because we were the only group worshiping right after the quake because everything was destroyed and stopped. And we had a field, and bless God, I put a platform on the field, as you saw, and raised some speakers that we're going to worship God. And that one photo you saw when it said it was, the only thing left to do was cry out to God, I can remember that day so vividly because I said we have nothing else to do but to worship God and cry out to Him. And uh, we did, first Sunday. It was it happened on a Tuesday, and that was the first Sunday after the, the crisis. And uh, it was very emotional, and that's basically where the hair came from. I'm not retroing back to the 60s. Um, I lost some very dear people. Linda and I lost some people we love very dearly, and I had to do something. So I decided I'd grow my hair for a year as a memorial to them, and that every time I combed my hair, I would remember them. And so a year was up two weeks ago, and I just looked at Linda. I said, uh, I'm not ready to cut it yet. She said, you just keep it as long as you want. See, it's hard to understand the grief of losing so many at one time. It's hard enough to lose one. But when you lose six or eight that are very close to you, it'll rip your heart out. I lied in bed many nights and asked God, why am I still alive and my brothers are dead and my sisters? And he basically just told me, I'm not finished with you yet. I think that's kind of comforting in one respect. He's not finished with me yet. He's got more to do. You see, 27 years ago, God spoke to my heart and spoke to my wife's heart and we to go and take a nation for Jesus. He told me to go take Haiti. And I looked on the map. I didn't know much about Haiti. And he didn't have the Internet back then, didn't have cell phones back then. So he had to go to an encyclopedia to know anything. And my encyclopedias were at least 10 years out of date. And I uh, had this little nation. It was only about that big on a map. And I thought, well... We can handle that in a couple of years. 
move on and take on the continent of Africa. That's what I was more into, you know. I like that continent over there. Can't we just go after that? It's about that big on the map. But little did I know that Haiti was Satan's seat for the Caribbean and that he ruled from that dimension and that God was sending in the troops to take, take the hill, praise God. And we're there to take a nation, to touch people's lives, to transform them. And I remember, Miss, I'll tell Miss Linda's story a little bit. She got pretty put out by the need, and she just sat down with God. Can I tell the story? I guess I will anyhow. <laughs> sat down and said to God, I said, how can I do anything with such great need? And God said, you do it one soul at a time. Amen? And so we're there taking a nation for Jesus. That's our purpose. That's what God has for us to do. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about. See, you are a people of destiny. Say destiny. You are a people of purpose. God has a divine destiny and a divine plan and a divine purpose for your life. There are no accidents here. There is no such thing as an accident. God said in Jeremiah chapter 1, I knew you before I formed you in your mama's womb. He knew you before your mama had a twinkle in her eye towards your papa. He knew you. He knew the day you would be born. And he had a plan for your life from before you were even formed. And there is a divine plan and purpose for your life. And not only is there a plan and purpose for your life, but God has called you. That's why you're here. You're called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The creator of the universe has called you because he has need of thee. That's pretty profound. I mean, it's not like the president called us. We're talking about the creator of the universe has called you out, separated you because he has need of thee. Are you all following me in this? Praise God. And so not only has he called you, but he has equipped you. You have talents and abilities that he has set down inside of you that he wants to use for the corporate and collective good of the kingdom of God. And not only does he call you and he has equipped you with talents and abilities, but you have been equipped for a life of accomplishment and success. God wants you to have a life of accomplishment and success. But when I say success, I feel the, 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 the powers and principalities wanting to rise up. God does not measure success the way man measures success. Man measures success by salary, house, Bank account, vehicle, bass boat. Are you all with me? God measures success by fruit and lives touched and changed. Praise God. And God has equipped you for a life of accomplishment and success. There will be challenges. There will be attacks. There will be battles. But I've got good news for you. The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror, praise God. Hallelujah. Greater is he that is in you than any little old demon running on this earth. Now, you do realize there are demons running around, don't you? Some people say I'm demophobic. I'm not demophobic. I'm just looking for them so I can whoop them, praise God. Hallelujah. Can you give me just a hair monitor a little more without feedback, you think? Just because I don't want to shout. I'll shout anyhow. Anyhow, praise God. God has equipped you and anointed you to have a life of accomplishment and success, to be fruitful, to touch and to transform people's lives. We have individually been equipped, but we come together corporately in a local setting, a local church, to collectively 
infiltrate a city and a, and a state and a geographic region with the gospel of truth. All of our talents are necessary and needed in this house. Every single one of you. None of you are not needed. You, we need you. We, need, we don't need a few good men. We want all of them. Praise God. Hallelujah. And God has established this church and other churches here in this region because He has a divine plan and purpose for this region. And we are to infiltrate this region with the glory of the Lord. We are vessels of His glory. We are vessels of honor. We are vessels that have been set apart for the Master's use. And we carry His glory through the presence of the Holy Spirit down in us. And as we move and infiltrate levels of society, we carry His glory into that level. We can literally change the spiritual atmosphere of a city through the power of prayer and through the power of His anointing in our lives and speaking truth in love. You can change an atmosphere. God has you here to take Texarkana for Jesus. And the surrounding communities, the county, and this, this is part of the state. You're not here by accident. You're missionaries. You've been called and sent to this city. You ought to thank yourself. Consider yourself being blessed. You could have been called to Haiti. I often tell many churches, you know, if you don't support me, well, God will take me off the field and make you go. Generally, that will get the checkbooks cranking. <laughs> I gotta stay on the field or God'll call me, I'll make you go. Then what you gonna do when you say no? What do you think that's gonna happen then? That's a bad thing, praise God. But just be glad, Pastor Jay and Miss Linda's down in Haiti. You don't have to go. Just go ahead and help us be there, praise God. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter two. I want to start there. You see, not only does God have a plan and purpose for your life, God has a plan and purpose that brings us and ushers in the coming of Jesus Christ. The coming of Jesus Christ is not just hinged on prophetic events coming to pass, but ch the church fulfilling its responsibility in the earth. God has a plan and a purpose for the kingdom of God. He has responsibilities that have been given to us that have to be fulfilled before Jesus returns. Are you all following me in this? And so it says in Isaiah 2, if you're there, say, mm-hmm. I know you got the projectors going. No, you don't even have to be good. Make them turn to their Bibles. Oh, there it went. Verse 2. It says, now it shall come to pass in the latter days. Stop. What days are we living in? We're not only living in the latter days. We're living in the latter seconds. We are living in the latter seconds of time before Jesus Christ returns. Trust me, you can see it in the turmoil of the earth, and the earth is groaning from the curse that it's under. Um, I mean, there's tra tragic events taking place, uh, earthquakes and storms and tornadoes, and, and then there's political turmoil all over the world. And right now in the Middle East, in the Middle East it's, it's very tentative at the very best, praise God, of what's going on in Egypt. And these are all things happening because we are drawing closer and closer to the end of time. We're coming closer to the end of time. Jesus is going to return, and He's going to return for a glorious church. A glorious church is a people that are living and walking in the glory of God 24-7. See, God doesn't call us to come for a Sunday morning date. God is looking for a marriage, praise God. 
God isn't looking for just a little visit and we scratch a religious itch. God is looking for a people that are engaged with Him 24-7. The priority of their life is to seek Him and to seek His kingdom. And that's basically the priority of Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. Praise God. Amen. I just wanted to speak Creole right then. That was pretty weird. <laughs> it says that in the shall come to pass in the latter days. In other words, this has to come to pass in the last days before Jesus returns. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above all the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and he sh- we shall walk in his paths. Mountains symbolize kingdoms. And what this is saying is the kingdom of God will be exalted above all other kingdoms before Jesus returns. Before He returns. That we will have such a prominence in the the different levels of society that when we're taken away, there'll be just a vacuum and a void and, and darkness will consume the earth and then death will occur. That we will influence every level of society before Jesus comes. The kingdom of God will be loved and cherished by some and there will be a tremendous harvest in these last days. We're experiencing harvest all the time where we are. Just people getting born again week after week after week. We literally, averagely, water baptize 90 to 150 people every month. 90 to 150 people every month. Very rarely is it below 90. But it's outreach is just moving everywhere, leading people to Christ. But not only leading them people into Christ, but bringing them into the fabric of the kingdom. Bringing them into the DNA of our church. Bringing them in into water baptism class. Four weeks just tells you, why are you doing this? Then you move into what our version of your, what your version is, and that's still finding the rock, our version. And then you move into leadership. And then you move into integration of ministries and pushing them back out. But we're a little more abrupt than most people in, in America. When you get born again in our church, on that Sunday afternoon, about 15 people will invade your house. And they will tell you, you are going back to church now. They won't ask you if you like to. And then they're going to start praying over your house and anointing it with oil and worshiping. And, pr- and praying over your family and praying all over all the people. And then they carry you, they tell you, get a little something to eat and get bath and come on, we're going back to church. And then they go into water baptism class. There are a few that slip through. We don't let too many slip. Nice thing is most of them want to go. That's profound. A hundred people average on the month water baptized. That's intense. Of course, we got an inner city. It's an easy fishing pond. It's not too bad. But God's moving. God's moving. See, we are lifting up the kingdom of God and it is taking its place high above all the other kingdoms. See, the war that we wage is not a natural carnal war. That the, We do not wrestle after flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, what you do have to understand, and sometimes the devil wants to lullaby us to sleep, but we are in a war. And our enemy does not want to take captives. He wants to kill you, destroy you, and steal from you. He would just as soon kill you if he could. He's no love lost between us and the enemy. But I've got good news that Jesus has been lifted up high above all principalities and powers. And we are the body, his body, the body of Christ. And the enemy is under our feet, praise God. He is a defeated foe.
You just had to remind him often. Often that he's defeated. Praise God. Amen. And so God has saying part of our plan and purpose is to impact and influence the mountains of society. The title of my message today is Give Me My Mountain. See, every one of you have mountains that God has set in your life for you to conquer and influence. All of us have a sphere of influence. Whether you are Walmart clerk or CEO, you have a sphere of influence. You have a sphere of influence that God has placed you within to be a great light to that sphere. To be a speaker of truth in love. To share your faith and your heart with those that don't know Him. You need to have fishing holes. Yesterday I went to lunch. We went to lunch with Pastor John and Linnell. And, and before Pastor got here, I started casting my line right at the waiter. Kind of said, uh, she, she, Pastor Linnell opened up and said, well, these people are from Haiti. And they, well, what are you doing here? I'm here to preach the gospel at a great church. You should come on Sunday. Is that young man here today? I invited him. Don't you have a great church? Don't you really have great pastors? Yeah, man, give a hand clap for that. Help me, God. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, invite people to your church. You should be fishing every day. You should get up and go, where am I going to fish today, God? What kind of bait do you want me to use? But the very easiest thing, you don't even have to, like, close the sale. You can just say, hey, come to my church. It's great. I have great worship, great children's, great youth, great pastors, good teaching. you like it. And then get him to come. Let him close the sale. You can do it. I'll be laughing at you when you have to have four or five services a weekend. You already have three. We've got to fill the three. This one's pretty full, Pastor. We've got two more we've got to fill, and then we're going to have to go one more somewhere. Afternoon, Sunday afternoon, why not? Praise God, give, give another service some of these young bucks can preach. The old guys just preach the main one, you know. That's all I do. I preach the main ones. Let all the young bucks preach all the other ones. Hallelujah. See, God wants us to lift up the kingdom in such a dimension that we are influenced every aspect of society. Listen to me. Jesus is not returning until some of these things are accomplished. He says in Psalm 110, verse 1 and 2, He says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit at my right hand until... Until what? God... And basically what that says in the Hebrew is Elohim said to Adonai, and in my vernacular that is, God said to Jesus, sit right here until I make your enemies your footstool. And the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion and will rule in the midst of your enemies. The rod of God's strength is the power of the Holy Ghost coming forth from Zion, which is the church of Jesus Christ, ruling and governing the enemies of God. God is looking for a people that will rise up and govern the powers of darkness, changing spiritual atmosphere above cities, above nations, above states, and, and speaking into the, and influencing the mountains of society, bringing them into submission to the kingdom of God. And there will be great harvest, say great harvest. But there will also be a people that hate us passionately. They will hate us with every fiber in their body. Because they're being used to the enemy and they're blinded to the truth. Some of these mountains are very important and some of, the, some of these have to be affected. All of us are called to impact the mountain of family. God has been tremendously answering the, wife, the prayers of my wife towards our family. 
Seems like we raised all our kids in the church and every single one of them had to go out in the world for a minute just to see if they missed anything. And they're all back serving Jesus now. Praise God. We had estranged people in our family and they've come back. And they're with us now. God wants you to impact your family. And if you can't speak into that family, you have to impact it with the power of prayer. There are people right now in our family, they don't want to talk to us. We just pray for them. <laughs> Got them. Get an old guy and an old gal praying for people in the family. They're dead meat. They're going to come to Jesus. They don't have a choice. That's how I got in. I had a gray-haired mama praying for me through, through hell. Trust me. And I came to the Lord. Praise God. I learned a long time ago, we're just going to have to be somebody's gray-haired mama. They may not have one. I can't be mama. I'll be papa. We got to influence finance. Some of you sitting here, your main reason to be here is to go out and make as much money as you can and bring a whole bunch to the church. That's your calling. Hey, I'd, do, I'd, I'd love that if that was my calling. It's not my calling, but I'd love it. I'd love to just make millions of dollars and give hundreds of thousands to the church, wouldn't you? But everybody, even if you're Walmart clerk on making a, a, a modest salary, you're still supposed to conquer finance and bring a portion into the kingdom. Everybody brings their portion. Sometimes it's the sacrificial small portions that impresses God the most. Hallelujah. Then there's government. We need to affect government. Education. Oh, my gosh. Do we need to affect education? Education is almost a lost cause. Only what's impossible with man is only possible with God. I mean, we're, it's filled with liberation theology. They've now removed all of the conservative textbooks. It's all anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-founding fathers, anti-founding fathers' faith. Unless you go into a private school, everything about education now is anti-God. And mainly because the church sat on its sweet derriere for a generation and didn't do anything about it. And we lost it. We lost Roe versus Wade because the church was sitting on a sweet derriere not doing nothing, just sitting in church singing, Kumbaya. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Yeah, okay. Somebody come by God there. But it wasn't God. We got to take it back. Say, take it back. We got to influ influence media, internet, arts, music, religion. We've got mountains. We got to influence. We got to influence our neighborhood. We got to influence our business place. We got to influence our school. We got to influence our every aspect of society. God is raising us to influence society before Jesus returns. That's our job. Say, I got a job. You hired. You on. Payment is great. It's eternal. And, but the only way that you can truly do this is, is prioritizing the kingdom as your, as, as your priority. God gave me a mandate at the 31st of December. I'll read it for you. I think it's a mandate for everybody. But it is to raise up a kingdom people. Stop. Kingdom people are people that have prioritized God's kingdom number one in their life. Nothing else matters but that and then everything else follows that. The kingdom of God is my priority. The kingdom of God is my family's priority. The kingdom of God is your pastor's priority. The kingdom of God must be your priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about this more tonight in the prayer meeting and when I get a little time of exhortation. But the church for many years has had their head upside down in their prayers. God is looking for a people that will seek Him for Him, not for what He gives them. Matter of fact, in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5, it says, When you fast and pray, do you fast and pray for me for me? Or do you fast and pray for what I can give you? Zechariah 7, verse 5 and 6. Now, 
It's not wrong to make your request known to God, but that shouldn't be your opening statement to God. Matter of fact, that shouldn't even be your opening statement within the first hour. Oh, excuse me, do we pray an hour? Will you not tarry one hour? Now, that's why I started a prayer meeting in 1988, because I wasn't, I mean, as, as, as extrovert as I am and committed to God that I am, I lack discipline in my life to pray every day. And, and, and if you look at stats, it's terrible about Christians praying every day. And the stats are even worse for ministers praying every day. So I decided I wasn't going to be one of those. And so I established a daily prayer meeting to discipline my life. Now, I don't need that as a discipline anymore, but you have to discipline your life to be a people of prayer. Matter of fact, I tell this to my church all the time, and I'm going ahead and step on your feet too. When you walk out of your house in the morning without prayer, you're telling God, I got this one. I don't need you today. You walk out of your house and you're not saying nothing to God. What you're saying to God is, I got this. I don't need you. should at least stop for a minute and pray over your day. Or get in your car and put on some worship music and start praying on your way to work. Do something, but start it with God. And if you can't hack an hour, start with five minutes and go from there. I'll give you that much leniency. Start with something. But you've got to talk to God all the time. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. And that's just maintaining the mentality of prayer all the time. I mean, I'm conversing in and out with God daily all the time. Then sometimes I'll get in the flesh and then God, because I was conversing, will go, <coughs> and I go, row, row. I repent. Repentance is good. Repentance is a good thing. It's not a nasty thing. It's, a, it's restoration. Amen? To raise up a kingdom people walking in kingdom glory, demonstrating kingdom power, releasing a kingdom atmosphere, impacting every social facet of our society. Did you get that? A kingdom people. Walking in kingdom glory. Now see, the glory comes because you've committed time to God. You can't have the glory without time with God. It won't happen. can't happen because we need it. won't happen because we wish it. won't happen because we want it. It happens because you spend time with God. Moses went to the mountain and spent all them days with God and came down. They couldn't even look on his face. Had to cover his face because of the glory of the Lord. I remember the day that I was saved and I walked home. Now I was a heathen. I was straight A's in heathenism. I lived 110% for the devil. The only thing I knew about God was it was a great premise to a curse word. That's all I knew. But I got saved and I walked home and the first thing she said to me was, what happened to you today? I said, what are you talking about? She goes, you got saved, didn't you? <laughs> it was the glory. The glory of the Lord on my face. My countenance had changed because of the presence of God. And when you spend time with God, your countenance changes. When you spend time with God, things that are revelatory in your mind drop down in your heart and you become, you begin to walk in the areas of life that you had thought that you could, but now it's just possible. In other words, you begin to realize, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a member of His house. I am a child of God. Now, you know, I'll do anything for my children, sometimes to my detriment. But that's the heart of God. God will do anything for you because you're His child. I'm a member of His house. I have an inheritance. 
And I should walk in that inheritance because inheritance is released by a death. And we not only had a death, we had a death, burial, and a resurrection. Praise God. And we have an inheritance that God has ordained for us to walk in. We theologically understand that. But when you're spending time with God, something drops down into your spirit that causes it to become a reality. No longer is it a confession package. It just is. It's then you become the head and you're not the tail anymore. It's then you're blessed going in and you're blessed going out. It's then everything you set your hand to is blessed. Somebody better say an amen in this church. I'm preaching way more than you're shaking your head. It's then everything you do is blessed. Not because you just had your little packet and said, God, I need, I need, I need. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No, it's because you crawled up in his lap and spent time with him. And you loved him. You just want to feel him. and Man, I just love to be in his presence and feel him. I like it when we're in those prayer meetings and all of a sudden in my heart I'm going, God's here. <laughs> I mean, and it's in, we know He's here, but now we know He's here. And it's like, wow, God's here. <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> do I get on my face? Do I sit really still and just don't say nothing in case it moves? He moves, leaves. Please don't leave. Let me hang into this for a while. And then you spend some time with him. You just begin to tell him, I love you. I'm really messed up, God, but I still really love you. I'm not all you want me to be yet, but I, I just want to tell you I love you. Then all of a sudden you'll hear, I love you too. And you'll feel that touch that only God can give. There's nothing else in the universe that can do it that way. And all of a sudden everything's kind of all right. Even though you got tons of battles and things are waging all around you and like debts and bills and stuff's going on. But there's something there that says, it's okay. I got this one. And that's where we wrote in the Bible, the battle's not yours, but it's the Lord's. Are you all with me? That's the kind of people that God is raising up. People that realize that they are kings and priests. You girls can be queens. Kings and queens we are. But the unique thing about kings and queens is it doesn't mean you get to put on a new suit or a new dress. It means you walk in government. You're above. You're not beneath. It's not a haughtiness. It's just an understanding. It's not a pride. It's just a reality. That I govern powers of darkness. Powers of darkness don't govern me. I am determined, and I've lost some battles, trust me, but I am determined to govern circumstances, and circumstances will not govern me. I will not, and I've fallen down, and I've fallen back, but I'll tell you what, I've always gotten back up and went forward. And that's what God wants us to do, to rise up and take our place. Kings and priests, say kings and priests. It says in Genesis 1 that we are to have dominion, 126, that God gave us dominion over all the earth. All of it. We are to dominate. The earth is not to dominate us. We are to dominate. At whatever level God has established us, we dominate. We are the dominating ones. Amen? He began to understand that you're an ambassador of Christ. Sent by God. Sent. I'm a sent one. You're a sent one into Texarkana. 
And wherever God's placed you, that's your fishing hole. For you country guys, start trolling every day. See what you catch. Because when you spend time with God, you really begin to realize how important it is to Him that He wants all to be saved and none to perish. You all following me? That's our mountain. See, we're all called to take a mountain. You have a mountain of God that God's given you to take. It's your mountain. Say, I got a mountain. There's a process to taking your mountain, and that's where I'm going to close. And I want you to go to the book of Joshua, chapter 14. And you got the electronic gizmo, and so if you don't want to turn your pages, you're blessed. <laughs> but I suggest that you memorize books of Bibles and lots of verses, because there may come a time you won't have one. I've read the book. It doesn't get better. I have read this book, and it doesn't get better in society. Joshua 14. There I am in Zechariah again. I guess God's going to have me mess with that tonight. So. Joshua. If you're there, say, mm-hmm. And I want to go through the process. Now, this is when Joshua and Caleb are talking to each other about finalizing the taking of their promised land. Now, they're already in the promised land. They've already destroyed and, and conquered fortified cities. Now, when you're in your promised land, promised land is a lot like going to heaven. Remember the old hymns, I'm going to go to the promised land? No, you're not. Your promised land is fulfilling destiny. When you're in the promised land, you are fulfilling your destiny. When you're fulfilling your destiny, you're in the promised land. Now, the promised land, all promised lands have fortified cities and great armies. And you've got to conquer them. So the promised land doesn't mean there's not going to be any war. It just means there's going to be a whole bunch of milk and honey. Milk and honey is cool. But there's going to be war. And here we are, and it's 45 years later, Caleb's coming to Joshua with a declaration. Verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me, and... Uh, Kadesh Barana. Stop. First step to taking your mountain, fulfilling your destiny, your plan and your purpose, is that you have to have a word from God. You have to know what it is God wants you to do. As God began to deal with my wife and I about going to Haiti, I can give you the exact time, the exact location, and the exact verse of what God spoke to me from the Scriptures that enlightened me to go to the nation of Haiti. Isaiah 2.6, very early in a February morning, I was freezing to death in a Florida home that had no heat. Old Florida home, built in 1910. Had them space heaters, and that's all we had. And when you walked on our old uh, shag carpet, it would crunch from the cold. And I was sitting at my dining room table, and I had the towel around me. And God began, when, when the, Isaiah cried out to God and said, who will I? No, when God cried out to Isaiah and said, who will I send? Who will go for us? I literally heard an audible voice behind me. I thought someone walked into me, in on me and said those words. And I turned around. No one was there. And I went, row. And I said, send me God. And that has been my stake driven in the ground ever since for 25, 26 years. Because when you get the word of the Lord, the devil is going to challenge you. Did God really say go to Haiti? You know it's kind of tough there. It's a rough place for you and your children. He didn't really tell you to go, did he? Shh, 
surely you won't die if you eat from the fruit. You'll be like God's. He'll always challenge the word of the Lord. You have to drive it in the ground and stand on it. Tie yourself, lash yourself down to it, and know, ain't nothing moving me from this. First step in, in taking your mountain is you have to have a word from God. Number two. Verse 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barana to spy out the land, and I brought back the word to him as it was in my heart. Once you get the word of the Lord, you need to, number two, start strategizing how to fulfill the word of the Lord. You've got to strategize it. See, God's going to give you a word, but then you've got to have to strategize how you're going to accomplish this word. He's not going to just do it all for you. You're going to have to put some action to it. Are you all with me? Number three. Nevertheless, my brethren, when I went, nevertheless, my brethren who went with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Step three is get away from all negativity. Negative people don't do nothing for me. I don't want them around me. I don't want to be friends with them. I'll speak into their light with truth and love, but don't come with me with your yanny, 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 yanny. You know what I say about negative? <laughs> the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue and you will eat the fruit thereof. And if you speak negative, you will eat the fruit of a negative life. But if you speak God's word with, word with truth, you will eat the blessing of God. You will eat the honey of God. You will drink the milk of God because that is the atmosphere you are creating in your life. I don't have time for negativity. I got a nation to conquer, praise God. I will leave you in the dust if that's where you want to stay. But I will not spend my time trying to get you out of your legal old negative head. Matter of fact, when you come to me for counsel, I got five questions. If you can't say yes to all, I tell you, go away till you get it. Number one, do you read the word every day? Number two, do you pray every day? Number three, do you tithe? Number four, do you do your best to walk holy? Number five, do you love your family? If you don't have a yes, I look at you and say, go away. There's nothing I can do for you until you can do those. How can I solve your problems when you don't even take the basics of Christianity and apply them in your life? So never, consequently, no one comes to me for counseling anymore. If you're looking for a bleeding heart, you're not going to find it in me. Suck it up, get a life, rise up, step on the enemy's head and conquer. That's my word. Just about got a little preach on me this morning. Get away from negativity. Step three. Step four. Number nine. Verse nine. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. Step four. Besides the holy following the Lord your God is a key to all of it. You understand that? Is you got to go ahead and start out. What's the word of the Lord to you? Start. God has never given me anything until I started. I mean, we've got a large ministry now in my respect. I mean, there's huge ministries out there that I don't even compare to. But for me, it's big. I feel the burden of it sometimes. But we didn't start it because God gave it all to us. We started and God gave it. You've got to start what God put in your heart before God begins to meet the need of what God's put in your heart. 
If you sit on the sweet derriere waiting for God to do everything before and get it all arranged before you do it, you will never get it done. It ain't happening. I'm telling you, if there was another way, I would write a book and be a millionaire. But there is no other way. And it all has to be encompassed by prayer. Passionate, fervent prayer. If you don't learn anything from me in a whole lifetime, just learn the importance of prayer. If there's nothing else out of my heart that you can grasp onto, learn the importance of prayer because there's no other way for victory without it. The reason it's quiet is because we're contemplating how much we're praying. Hello. I love you. Next step. Are we in number five? We don't know. All right. (laughs) Number five, number ten. Now behold, the Lord has, here's what I said earlier, has kept me alive. You see, when you're fulfilling, pursuing destiny, there is a tenure of time that God will keep you alive and nothing going to take you down. Now, what you do have to understand is everyone, the Bible says everyone is appointed to die. And there is absolutely no guarantee of long life. There are some promises we can stand on, 70 plus 10 and yada, yada, yada. But I know a lot of good Christians that have fallen before 70. But yet, many of their lives that I reflect back on are very fruitful and God got out of them what He needed to accomplish out of them and through them. But there is no guarantee we're going to grow old. Trust me, I just saw 300,000 people die. There is no guarantee. It's by the grace of God that we rise every single day to accomplish what He has called us to do. Here's another thought that I always challenge my church with. Might as well pick on you too. See how you're my good friends. If we're not fulfilling God's purpose and plan for our life, what reason do we have for Him to keep us here? If we're not fulfilling His plans and purpose for our life, why does He need us here? We're not. Otherwise, we're just breathing air and taking up space. Take Him out before He backslides. Get Him up here. I don't want to get up there and go, glad you made it. I want to get up there and say, well, here, well done. Glad you made it, son. Some of us be judged. We'll be naked from the fire. I always tell everybody, that will not be a pretty sight in my case. I want the glory. I want the, God to look at me. I want to see a smile in Jesus' eyes and go, Well done, son. You persevered. You tried. You did everything in your fiber and possibility to get it done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? God will keep you alive. Point number five. Number six. Verse 11. As yet I was strong. Th- okay. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for the going out and for the coming in. When you're fulfilling God's purpose and destiny in your life and you're taking your mountain, God will give you a supernatural strength to accomplish it. Now, the strength is not because you're down at the gym getting buff. That's another misfortune in the United States. We have people sitting in here spend more time in the gym than they spend with God. They spend more time, or they spend more time on a bass boat than they spend with God. Of course, you can go to the duck blind and pray, can't you? Amen. <laughs> you can spend time, God, right there with that shotgun in your hands. And then when that, and, and, and then when that duck flies, oh Lord, please give me the strength to bring this one down. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. 
God will keep you strong. Now see, 20, how, 24 years later since we've moved, God gave us a word, take a nation. And I'm going to tell you like Caleb, I'm just as strong today as I was 24 years ago and I'm going to go down swinging, doing everything I can to take that nation. It's the purpose for my life. It's the mountain that I'm to take. Will it be taken in my lifetime? I hope so. I plan so, but I don't know so. But I'm going to do everything possible in my being to do so. Well, see, your mountain, Texarkana, sometimes some of y'all's biggest problem is figuring out what, what restaurant you're going to go to this afternoon to beat the crowd. That little brother over there said to his wife, It's true. <laughs> We got to take Texarkana. I want to see a move of God. How many here want to live and see a move of God? I just don't want a patty cake in some church. I want to see a movement of the Spirit of God in a geographic region that is so profound that people are just sitting back going, My God, what's going on over there? Why not? Huh. Just as strong. Now, verse 12. Here's got You got to have the passion. You got to see it in the first sentence. What step are we on? Six? Oh, seven. We're almost at completion. Here's, here's Caleb's cry. Give me my mountain! Give me my mountain! You promised my mountain! You see, if you don't pray for like that once in a while, your prayers ain't going to get answered. Sometimes there's got to be a fervency and a desperation down in your spirit that just moves the strength of God on your behalf. That is, it awakens Him with such a, a zeal in His heart that He just moves mightily for you. I want my mountain! 24 years! I want it! I don't want it to be 40 years. I want it now! God has a mountain for you to take. And you've got to get zealous. And you've got to get passionate. And your mountain generally is denoted by the passion that's in your heart. Every one of you should have a passion that's motivating you in the course of God. Something that motivates... I'm finishing right now. Give me my mountain. Verse 13. Joshua blessed him. That's an apostolic blessing. I'm going to bless you today to take your mountain. In prayer. I'm, I'm I'm an apostle to the nation of Haiti. I can release an apostolic blessing. There is a mountain for you individually and collectively as a church to take. It needs to be done in your lifetime. Jesus wants to come back. He's coming for a glorious church. And it says in verse 14 that he, that Caleb went and got his inheritance of Hebron. He got his inheritance. His mountain. And it says in verse 15, the very last line, then the land had rest. You see, when people are pursuing their mountain, when people are pursuing the plans and purposes of God for their life, the land has rest. The earth it's groaning quite as hard from the curse because the sons of God 
are manifesting and releasing the glory of God into the earth. How many want to go there? Boy, I feel something on that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to bless you. How many want want to get get their mountain? If you want your mountain, lift a hand up and leave it there for a second. That's your signal to God. I'm here. I want my mountain. Let me hear with all your heart. Give me my mountain. That's pretty good. Now I'm going to pray. Lift your hand up. Father God, just as Joshua apostolically blessed Caleb, I, Lord, humbly release an apostolic blessing upon this house, upon these great leaders, upon these great people, that you will empower them with the power of the Holy Ghost, the power and the desire of prayer, and a releasing of destiny in their lives, that each and every individual will transform and touch the the mountain that you have ordained for them since the beginning of time. God, I pray for an impartation in their spirit today, an impartation of your glory and your goodness into their lives that will motivate them so strongly they will never, ever be able to back up. Lord, 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 our cry is, give us our mountain. And we receive it, Lord. We receive it by our hearts, our faith, and by your destiny on our lives. Bless your people, Lord. I pray it in the name and the authority of Jesus. And all God's people said, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Give me a big hand this morning.